0: Amen. Remain standing with us as we read the Word of God today. We're going to start off with one of the miracles that most of us learned in Sunday school. And then we're going to talk about what happened after. Anyone here remember Paul Harvey? And that's the rest of the story. We're going to talk about that today. John chapter 6 and verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they, had all, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Father, take your word today and may it go deep within our hearts. May we dwell, may we live within your kingdom today, we pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being with us here in this service and those who are watching online, thank you for Spending part of your day with us. Uh, just thank you for being here. My name is Ray, one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are with us. Pastor Daniel mentioned, and I would just reiterate that in just two weeks, can you believe it? Just two weeks, it's Easter. I think we ought to come. Does anyone here remember besides me that we pray that this whole pandemic thing would just uh, be on the downhill slide over by Easter? Does anyone remember that? Well, you know, we've never really stopped and given the Lord praise for that. And could we just do that Easter and just say, thank you, God? Thank you, God. And so that's, that's our prayer, that you'll come and we'll just celebrate the Lord. Listen, make your plans to invite someone. And, and when I say invite someone, I don't mean your friends from the other church. Okay? Could we bring unchurched, unsaved people who need Jesus? Because that's why we're here. We're not here to grow our church based on others. We want to people to know Jesus and experience life change. And that's our prayer today. Someone who needs to know to know Jesus. So uh, I'm just looking at my screen here and wondering why it's this technology. They're trying to move into the 21st century. It's not working too well. So also I'd encourage you to make your plans to watch April 15th on the, uh, we have a Good Friday video. It's gonna be posted on YouTube. I've seen, I've seen parts of it. It's nothing short of phenomenal. Make your plans to maybe sit and watch it with your friends and family, because it's gonna be good. Now, we're in this series called There is a King, and we've been speaking about that for three or four weeks now, and it will conclude on Easter. And this week, I'd like to just draw our attention to John chapter six, that miracle that we just read. You know, miracles were a big deal. When uh, miracles were performed in Scripture based on one of the six Greek words for the word miracle, it depended, it, it made certain things happen. Number one, there was the wow factor when it came to a miracle. It, was, it said, man, this is amazing. This is wonderful. This, it created an excitement. Uh, then it also created a sense that the one who was performing the miracle had power, and so you might ought to listen to the one who, who was creating uh, and, and doing this miracle. But I think the two most important reasons was, thirdly, it, it brought glory to God. See, that's what we're about. We're to live our lives in such a way that don't bring glory to us. It brings glory to, to God by how we live, and then fourthly, it was to authenticate the person and the message of Jesus. When Jesus did these miracles in the Gospels, he did it for one reason. It was to authenticate his personhood. He was indeed the king. And then second of all, it was to, uh, to say, my message is real. My message is true. It was to authenticate the message. Jesus in the Gospels, 119 times the word kingdom is mentioned. Jesus would say, now the kingdom of God's like this. Or you've heard it said, but here's what the kingdom's all about. Jesus' message was all about the kingdom of God and inviting people, average, ordinary people like you and me, to join him in that kingdom. And so, John chapter six starts off with this powerful reminder. I mean, my goodness, feeding five thousand men. Now, folks, to be honest with you, it just said men, but let's be honest. Uh, you know, maybe White only mentions men. That's another message. But maybe we need to say that there might have been as many as ten or fifteen thousand there. And so Jesus, always the shepherd, who always cares about people, says, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to take care of them? And so he turns to Philip in verse 5 and 6. He turns to Philip and listen to the words of Jesus because I find them incredibly interesting this morning. Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Honest, legitimate question. But look at the next part. He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. I mean, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He was going to handle it. He was going to take care of it. But he wanted to give his follower, the disciple uh, Philip, means to maybe think of how this could all happen. Uh, Let me ask you a question. And Pastor Daniel alluded to it already. How many know that we we are still involved in testing today? How many know God allows trials and, and stuff to come our way to do some things in our lives? We may not like it. We may not like the timing. We may not like the circumstance. We may just not like it, period. But the reality is, is that the, the Lord brings these things into our life to do some things. Number one, he wants to help us grow up. By that I mean he wants to help us grow up into Christ who is the head of the church. In other words, number two, he wants to make us like Jesus. And the only way we become like him is to go through difficult days, go through pressures, go through pandemics, go through all these different things so that we can become like our Lord and Savior, an opportunity to become more like Jesus. How many are excited about that today? Three. Three. Okay. Yeah, no, nah, you don't got to clap. I, I get it. And, and then it, it's so next time something happens, God forbid, but the next pandemic, somebody going, oh, please. We're ready. We're ready. When everyone's going, oh no, woe whoa, whoa is me. We're not going to make it. We're all going to die. Blah blah blah. We can stand up and say, Hey, you don't have to feel like that. There's hope in Jesus. Listen, God's got this, God's in control, God's going to make it happen, it's all going to be fine, and we're going to be beacons of hope, we're going to be beacons of peace, we're going to be beacons of, let's not fight with one another, let's all pull together and see how Jesus can be magnified in the midst of the storm. Thank you for those three amens. Um, But that's what happens, that's what happens when we prepare ourselves and we say, God, do with me what you will, do with me, let it come, Lord Jesus, to make me more like you. Now, Philip, he gets, he gets some ideas. he said, okay, even if we had 200 denarii, that's, that's about 12 grand back then, it's about 100 grand today, even if we had 100 grand, we could not feed all the people. It's just not going to happen, we can't do it. Then Peter's brother Andrew pops up and says, yeah, I know, hey, I got this kid here with five loaves and two fish, five lo- but that's not enough to do anything. Do you ever get the feeling like Jesus is just kind of watching this going, boy, wow. Do you ever feel like Jesus wants to say, I'm right here, right here. I I turned water into wine. I raised the dead. I did all these things. I I could help here. But they don't mention Jesus. Uh, They they just don't. And so Jesus said, I think he he has the point where he says, okay, set the people down. The Bible says there's a lot of green grass. They set the people down, 5,000 plus and, and Jesus takes, he takes five loaves and two fishes. Wow. I say, Pastor Ray, do you really believe that stuff? Absolutely. I think Jesus could break the laws of physics anytime he wanted. I think he could take the laws of nature and use them just how it needed to happen so that men and women could recognize who he was. So he takes, he takes that bread and, those, the bread and the fish, he lifts it and he blesses it, and they start handing it out. I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have been there. It just kept going and going and going and going and going. And and the response of the people was one of, of amazement. They go, man, this is incredible. This is amazing. Verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the rest of the story. See, the problem was they saw the miracle, they saw how great it was, but they missed the point of the miracle. All they saw was free bread. All they saw was, here was this man, and he was giving us, them free bread. In fact, there was so much bread, 12 baskets were left over afterwards. There was free bread. This, and in their minds, they go back to the manna from heaven that their ancestors enjoyed. In their words, and I'm quoting them, our, our, when Moses gave our ancestors manna or bread, it, it, it connected with them. That this is the same thing. So all they see is the free bread. And they missed the point. I'm glad we never do, but these guys were terrible. <laughs> Their thoughts went like this. If this if this prophet, and that should have been a clue right there, if, if this prophet can give us free bread, then maybe he can get rid of the Romans for us. I mean, they're on a roll. If if, if, this, if this guy can give us free bread, he can get rid of the Romans for us. He can pretty much do whatever we want him to do. And so verse 15, perceiving... Then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. They they wanted to force him to be the king. Oddly enough, he already was. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, in in fairness, the people were living out out of their felt needs. We need bread. He can offer us bread. We need someone to free us from uh, opposition, from the Romans. He can do that. In other words, what they were saying is, I need a king that can take care of me. I need a king that can fit into my world. I need a, a king that can fit into the way I want things to happen, my needs, my desires. And you know what? We do the same thing. In all fairness, we say, you know what? I need a king who fits me. I need a king who will fit my moral framework, framework or my natural bias. I need a king that agrees with me. I need a king that's going to operate just the way that I want this king to operate. The problem is Jesus will never fit into your idea or my idea of kingship. Jesus will never allow us to put him in a box and say, you know what, just, just pull me out whenever you need something. You need bread? Get, I'll get your bread. You need, you need something taken care of? I'll do these things for you. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew that the prophecy in Isaiah, Isaiah 61 and 1, said this. The spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted." To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. See, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't come to inhabit my kingdom. He invites me to inhabit his. He invites me to inhabit his kingdom. That's why Matthew 6.33 is such a key verse. We are called to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all of these other things will be added. John 6.25. Jesus knew that they were going to force him to be king, which is an odd statement. So he leaves and he goes away by himself. He just gets away. Well, they follow him, John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, why did you come here? Jesus answered them, "Truly, truly, truly, I say to you, now listen to this, you are seeking me. This is the rest of the story. You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you want me to be king because of bread. You want me to be king because of bread. Jesus has a lot to say here. In fact, the closer he gets to the cross, the more pointed he is with his words. He said, you're not following me for me, you're following me for you. You want what you want, you want bread. That's why this whole miracle, all you got out of it is is being fed. And Jesus says to them, it's just bread, just bread. And so they said, well, our ancestors, they got, they got manna, that angel food, the, the bread of heaven. They got it from, from Moses. And, and so we want the same kind of thing if you're going to be who you say you are. And Jesus said this. He says, well, let's make one thing clear. Number one, you're after me for, for nothing more than just bread. Number two, your, your ancestors got bread, but they still died. In other words, the bread wasn't the kind of bread that would last a lifetime, He said, while we're on the subject, he said, Moses didn't give you that bread. My father in heaven gave you that bread. Now, I went off on on a little bit of a rabbit trail last time, but I think I'm going to say it again. Friends, the days of celebrity pastors needs to be over. I mean, quite honestly, it needs to be over. Because if anything good happens, if your life is changed, if your life is touched, if your life is just moving forward in the way that God has it to move, it's not because of some guy on this planet. It's because of a God who looks down and by his Holy Spirit invigorates and infiltrates you and helps you become who he has called you to be. The days of wearing glasses just because they look good. If you're just wearing glasses to look good, you're irritating me. (laughs) I need him to see. The days of this celebrity stuff. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Lifting up men is a dangerous proposition as we've seen in the, the news the last few years. It's dangerous. It just is. Jesus said, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men unto me. And we pastors, we need to get a clue. You know why I love team teaching? Because you don't look at one person, you have three on a team. And I think that's the coolest thing in all the world. Jesus said, it was my father in heaven that did this. And then he goes on to say, you're just looking for the right kind of bread. That bread, those loaves, it's just bread. It's just bread. And you can get all the bread you want, but it's not going to last. You know, I love Dave's killer bread. How about you? I love, you know why? It's got five grams of, of fiber in it. And I just love that. Jesus told us to set our hearts, sorry, our hearts and minds on things above. I'll keep moving. Jesus, let me tell you what Jesus is saying. He said, you're settling for bread that it's just bread whether it's Dave's killer bread or sourdough or rye or the things you think are important, it's just bread. You yeah, have Pastor Ray, if I get that new job, if I get that new purchase, if I get that new relationship, it'll all change. Friends, I love you enough to say this, at the end of the day, whatever you're pinning your hopes on in terms of consumerism, it's just bread. Whatever you're trying to pin your hopes on in terms of relationships, it's just bread. If you want life change, if you want the abundant life of John 10.10, 10, it's based on Jesus, And there's nothing else. This days of looking in all the wrong places needs to move move away. All the things we put so much emphasis on, it's just bread. Just bread. Jesus is saying to these people, and he's saying to us, we're settling for less. God's got so much more. These these were tough words, and quite honestly, it made some people mad. If you look at the text, people got angry, they started to grumble. Jesus made them mad and and, and some said this, well, who does he think he is? Well, number one, Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of the living God. He was the Messiah, the anointed one. He was the king. He was the living bread. He was the living water. That's who Jesus is. The question shouldn't have been, who does he think he is? It's who do you think you are? And we need to answer the question today. Some of his disciples were grumbling and the Bible says they were offended. And Jesus, I mean, I don't know what's going on in Jesus, but he turns and says, does this offend you? Does truth offend you? Jesus said, listen, this is important stuff. I get the sense that Jesus is just done messing around. He said, you need to get this. This is about the spirit of the living God giving life to people who are desperate and dying. This is about my flesh and blood, John 6 says, that's going to be offered up. This isn't child's play. It's not just messing around. This is real stuff. This is bread that's going to last for an eternity. And he's saying, this is the things that are important. This is not about bread at all. It's about the kingdom of God. And his invitation to you and I and those people way back then to enter in, he's going to share the realities of of the kingdom. He's gonna say there's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be missed. He's gonna say there's a purpose to live for. There's a mission to die for. There's a life to be lived that's not about your glory, but it's to the glory of the living God. It's to live your life within the kingdom. It's a purpose to fulfill. Jesus is saying this is serious stuff and not many will hear it, right? Not many will hear it. Verse 60, verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, listen to their words. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It's a hard saying. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They quit, they gave up because the sayings were way too hard. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to leave, Uh, do you want to go away as well? Can I just say this and I don't mean this in any way but coming to Jesus is the simple part. It's recognizing your need of a savior and you come and you pray that prayer of faith but following Jesus' heart, right? Following Jesus' heart. Because I'm gonna tell you up front, in case you're a guest here today, the hard sayings of Jesus are exactly that, they're hard. The hard sayings of Jesus like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's a hard saying. Because we fight against that because we wanna love us. We wanna love me. Jesus says this, and this is even harder, love your neighbors yourself. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. Then he says, Uh, He says, love your enemies. What? Yeah, love your enemies. If you're a mask wearer, love those who don't wear masks. If you're not a mask wearer, love those who do wear masks. Get along because you're all children of God. Love one another. Not because I said, but because Jesus did. Love one another. Oh, and here's one. And by the way, forgive your enemies. In other words, don't write them up on Facebook. I'm going to have to write you up. I'm going to get some likes on this one, pal, because you just. (laughs) Jesus said, forgive them. No messing around. And then Peter, impetuous Peter. How many times? Seven? Seven times seven? What? Love your enemies. That's a hard saying. And on and on it goes. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. We don't want to deny. We don't want to follow. We want to sit on the throne ourselves. He said, do this. Reserve your worship for God alone. No celebrity pastors, no celebrity. I mean, we worship the dumbest stuff out there. You know, I caught myself. I was going to say something really bad. I caught myself because I was going to say the Kardashians, really? But I didn't. I didn't. I caught. I stopped. I didn't say it. But, my Lord in heaven, if you can't find someone to worship bigger than them, you got some real problems. I'm just telling you. Worship for God alone because He alone is worthy. Worship because He's the only one who said, For God's so will of the world, that He gave His only Son. Has anybody else died for you lately? I mean, for crying out loud, worship those who are worthy of our praise, worthy of our devotion, worthy of worship. Reserve and live your life for not our glory, not their glory, but his glory. And many people said, these are hard sayings. Who can bear this? Who can, who can bear this? And so Jesus turns, and this time it's to his disciples, the 12. I don't know as hard how he said this, but I have a feeling it was like this. He turns to those closest to him and he says this. Do you want to walk away as well? Do you you want to walk? Thankfully at that moment, there he is again. That guy who denies him, the guy who walks on water, then starts to drown, Jesus saves him. The one who cuts off the ear of the guard, the one who uh, hears the rooster crow, the one who Jesus says, I love you and I restore you. There's Peter again. Peter said these words. I want you to listen to these words. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Can I ask you a question? Who's out there that compares? To Jesus. Who's out there that compares to the King? Peter goes on to say, You have the words of eternal life. We have and we have believed and have come to know. In other words, we get it, Jesus. You are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God. Peter's saying, Who should we follow? Who's worthy? What celebrity? What pastor? What this? What that? Who's worthy? What leader of any great religion? What founder of any great philosophy? What developed if any, ideology is worthy to be followed? Because in my history book, only one died for me. Only one loved me so much, he gave his life so that I could live within the kingdom of God. Who should we follow? Because Lord, there is none like, you. We, we're singing that, right? Because Lord, there is none, there is none like you. Our answer needs to be the same. Someone who offers us eternal life, offers us his kingdom, who died for us like Jesus we say, yes, Lord. You know, here's the thing about John chapter six. It's entirely about the kingdom of God. Can, can I just, something that's been bugging me late and I'm just gonna share it with you. Whenever we use the word repentance, it's always we're turning from, from bad stuff. We're turning from sin. We're turning from our flesh. We're turning from all our rebellion against God. And, and man, I, I praise God. Repentance does mean turning from there, but it also means turning towards something. And I think sometimes we just keep focusing on on what we're leaving that we're missing the point of what God is inviting us into. He's inviting you and I into his kingdom. He's inviting you not only to leave that garbage behind, but he's inviting us, you and me, into the kingdom of God that one day is going to come and be established physically. But right now he invites every one of us to enter in and allow the kingdom of God to burst forth from within us. To worship and to glorify by how we live our lives, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a new beginning into the kingdom. Real quickly, let me tell you five things, and I'm talking super, super fast. Number one, as you enjoy the kingdom, if you wanna, if you wanna live within the kingdom of God, five things. It's on your notes in, in your on your phones if you want them. Number one, we need to live with an awareness of, of the kingdom. We need to live with an awareness of the kingdom of God. Friends, I don't, you know the word, as I think about the culture I see out there, I think of one word, it's deception. Right? Well, manipulation, yeah, thanks for helping. <laughs> manipulation, deception, phony, fake. In other words, it, it's crazy that the things that we see aren't what's real, it's the things that are unseen that are, are more real. The things that we see, the Bible says, are temporary. The things that are unseen last forever and ever and ever. ever, I I mean, honestly, sometimes I look, I listen to politicians, I listen to news, and I feel like I'm living in the matrix. And I'm praying, dear Lord, someone unplug me because I, I want the real deal. How about you? The only way you live in, the only way you get out of the matrix of what we call our current culture is to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus you died for me not only to be, that I might be forgiven but that I might live within your kingdom. That's number number 1. We need to live with an awareness that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is real and it is the real deal in spite of what you see with the physical and natural world. Number 2, we understand that the kingdom is within. The kingdom of God is within. It's an inside outside job. Does that make sense? In other words, it's a heart thing. So many of us want to see the world change through this way and through that way. And we want to march and we want to lift up this. You know what? If, if we allow the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, to begin to touch us to such degree that we walk out in the midst of the world and they see Christ living in us, we'll change the world. Not by our, our anger and our, our in, in indignation and our, our feelings of oppression. And why is everybody picking on the church? Sometimes the church just deserves it. Did that come out? Well, it does. I, I talked with someone, uh, heartbroken as a parent, just before the service. Pastor Ray, my, my, my daughter's angry with the church and she's, she's angry, doesn't want to come anymore. Not our church, but the church. Do you know how many times I hear that from people? There's only one way to win them back. But by the Spirit, love them. Show them something different. Show them Christ in you. Let your heart be so overbursting with the presence of the living God and let our children and our children's children see how much we love the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will want what we want or what we have. Number three, we need to experience the blessing of his reign. God wants to pour out his blessing on his church, but we're, we're living on, on the wrong stuff. We're hoping that if we can just fit in, we're hoping if we can do this, that. Let me just sum it up by saying, as I am a parent and a grandparent, I love to bless my children. I saved my money up well in advance so that I can take them to Hawaii because I want to bless them. In fact, I, I have no greater joy than blessing my children and my grandchildren. I love it. Uh, you know, I, I just love it. How much more does our Father in Heaven want to bless us? I know we gotta, always got to take it down to financial, but maybe God just wants to bless you in such a powerful way spiritually. Maybe he wants to bless your family. Maybe he wants to do a work in you, the likes of which you've never seen before. Maybe he wants, your, he wants to do, I gotta be careful. Wouldn't it be cool if we were so filled with the Holy Spirit of God that our shadows could walk by and people would say, I just felt Jesus. Anyway, number four, for those of us who miss the 60s, we get to be part of a subversive movement. Oh, sorry, I just, I just do it automatically now. I'm part Hawaii now. Small uh, part. The world and its culture, all the all the stuff that we're seeing today, used to be on the fringe. The church played a central role in the life of people. Jesus actually played a central role. I mean, anyone here? This is the first time I've said it for a service. Anyone here remember Blue Laws? Three of you. Did thank you, ma'am thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. <laughs> uh, did you know there are some places, even today in America, it's getting fewer and fewer, but blue laws where you couldn't do anything on Sunday. Stores were closed. Everything was closed. You could not do anything. You couldn't buy alcohol. You couldn't, uh, in fact, in some places, you don't ask me why, you still can't sell cars between nine and 12 in some parts of our nation. Weirdest thing in the world. They were blue laws because the church was the center. They wanted to give people time for worship, for religion. Well, how many know that that's a thing of the past? Most blue laws have been repealed. They're gone. And what's taken place is that which was outside has moved inside. We care now more what different people say rather than what the word of God has to say. They are in the inside and our noses are pressed to the window on the outside looking in. We, we're, we're now counterculture. We're now counterculture. Say, why why are you excited about that? Because the church always does does its best when it it realizes it's counterculture. That's why China, there's such a revival going on in China. It's because people on the outside, God's doing a work with them, and they're infiltrating their culture around the world. Once the church realizes that the worst thing we could ever do is sidle up to power, We always stub our toe when we want to be in the places of power. Jesus always said, you know, if you'll just be a servant, if you'll just humble yourself, if you'll just be that person who is so filled with my presence, I'll do such powerful things you won't even be able to do it, and we can change culture. Once, now that we're on the outside, now we're going to infiltrate culture. Say, what are you talking about? I'm saying this. You are who you are in the name of Jesus Go out there and in the name of Jesus, love people and pull them out one by one. Pull them out. You change enough people, you'll change culture. Culture's made up of people. And if we get enough of them saved and loving Jesus, we'll change culture. Pastor Ray, I don't have time for that. Well, God's time frame's not yours. Number five. And I'm, I'm almost ready to close. Not really. <laughs> the minute I do that, all the worship people, I gotta go, oh, time to go. Number five is this, we need to wait expectantly because Jesus, the son of the living God, the king of kings is coming back. Ray, how's he gonna do that? Is that a metaphorical thing? No, that's a real thing. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's gonna reign and rule and all those times he broke the laws of physics before, he's gonna continue, continue to do it. He's gonna look at death and say, no more death, no more colon cancer, no more disease. He's gonna tell everything and everything under his sphere of power, that he is in charge. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And, I, and you and I get to bask in that. You know, by now you recognize, because we talk about Hawaii so much, Mary and I like Hawaii. We, we go there, we have a timeshare. Not an investment. Uh, but we have a timeshare. And so we go use it. And we walk, you know, we're one of those crazy people. We like Honolulu. We like Waikiki. Tons of people there, but we, we like it. We walk around, we eat, we walk around. Sometimes we walk around to eat. Uh, But we found a new place. We found this place. uh, 1950, there was this bakery uh, uh, in this neighborhood in Honolulu called Liliha. And uh, there was a bakery there, and it's named Liliha Bakery. And it's really good. It's really good. They got so good, they opened up other locations. And now in the international marketplace, right at the top, there's the Liliha Bakery and Restaurant. And Mary and I walked in for the first time this last trip and it's a bakery and a half. You open, you open the doors and the smell and, and the beauty of the donuts, the beauty of the cake, the breads. <laughs> it's amazing. Nicest bakery I've ever been in. Nicest bakery I've ever been in. Mary and I, uh, we ordered in the restaurant, we ordered one donut from the bakery just because we wanted to taste it. Then we were going to buy a dozen, but we knew that if we bought a dozen, it'd be another dozen, another dozen. Mary has poor impulse control. <laughs> so I, I couldn't do it. So. Now the reason I tell you that little story about the Liliha Bakery is uh, as I was thinking about us as people. Instead of walking into the Liliha Bakery with all its beautiful baked goods, we go down to the local uh, ABC store or uh, 7-Eleven or Arco and PM. And you know what we buy? We buy Ho-Ho's and Ding Dong's. There's an ABC store on the, la- on the bottom floor of that same place. It would, it, would, it would offend me if I went in and bought something there when I could go to the Liliha Bakery. Friends, my point of that little story is this. Some of you are settling in life for ding-dongs and ho-hos when the Liliha Bakery's open and Jesus is saying, come on down, come on in. I've got this fee set for you. Don't settle for ding-dongs. Get the biggest and big. At the end of the day, all of that's just bread. But you get my point. Stop settling for just bread. Jesus says, I'm the living bread. I'm the living water. And if you'll come to me, I'll open the door to that bakery and let you in and you can feast. That's why Psalm says, taste and see that the Lord is good. No more settling for just bread. No more giving our lives away for just bread. The king has called you by name and he invites you. He opens the door to his kingdom and says, come on in. And I'll give you purpose and mission and hope and I will love you and give you grace and mercy. Friends, I don't know about you, but that beats just bread. Stand with me as we sing this song and then we'll close in prayer.